Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. He says, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. He said, for in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. I know you're thinking right now, how in the world is it encouraging to have Jesus tell me you're going to experience trouble and sorrows? You know, that doesn't sound very encouraging right there, does it? How's, that, how's it encouraging to have Jesus himself say, hey, you're going to go through some hard times? You know, that's uh, naturally, that just doesn't seem very encouraging, but there's two things that God showed me in that scripture that just really encouraged me. Uh, first of all, he tells us that we're all going to go through troubles and sorrows. Just for just a second here, I'm going to get you all to raise your hands on this, but who here at some point in your life, you've gone through troubles and sorrows? You've gone through hard times. Okay, almost everybody in this room, you know, if you're not raising your hand, you're probably lying to us right now, but that's okay. You're in church. That's where you need to be. You know, if you, if you look around there, pretty much everybody raised their hand that we've experienced troubles and sorrows at some point in our life. And to me, that's encouraging um, because when we go through hard times, one of the biggest lies the devil tries to sell us is that no one else has ever been through this before, that you're alone in this. No one else has to go through hard times like this. This is all just on you. And to me, it's encouraging when I look around and see everybody raise their hands because this tells me that, hey, this isn't unique to me. This is something we're all going to struggle with at some point. And, and so much so that Jesus himself said, hey, I'm just going to give you a heads up. This is part of what you're going to have to go through. Uh, he tries, one of the biggest things the enemy tries to do is he tries to get us to isolate ourselves to pull away from people. And we need to make sure that, hey, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to recognize that every person in here, we've gone through hard times, we've gone through troubles, and we've gone through sorrows, so I'm going to rely on my support system around me. That's what we need to do when hard times comes up. And that's comfort me. that comforts me to know I'm not alone when hard times come up. I'm not alone in that. The second reason I find that Jesus' words encouraging is that it tells me that I can be following God 100% and still have hard times come up. You know, I can be following him and doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm still going to experience troubles and sorrows. That means that not everything that comes up in life is my fault. There's going to be some things that come up just for no other reason than the fact that we're in an unbelieving world. That's what Jesus said. You're going to go through troubles and sorrows because you're in an unbelieving world. So that's encouraging to me, too, that every time something happens, I don't have to sit there and try to figure out, okay, where did I mess up? What did I do wrong? Why, did I don't, why am I deserving this right now? It's not your fault. You know, there are things that can be your fault. You know, if you tomorrow morning go get a gun and go rob a bank and they lock you up in jail, you can sit here thinking, why did this happen to me? Well, that was your fault. You did that. So, but there are things that are going to come up in life that are not your fault. There are things that are going to happen just because we're in an unbelieving world. And that's encouraging to me. That's encouraging me to me to know that I can follow God 100% completely and stuff's still going to come up because I don't have to sit around and say, where, where did I go wrong? I can just say, well, this, Jesus said this was going to happen. I'm going to trust him in the middle of this storm right here. So that's, that's how we can approach that. And we can, we can see that in the life of Jesus. Um, I want to look at a time where Jesus is actually in a literal storm, and most of you have heard this story before, but I think it's good right here. So in, in Matthew chapter 8, in verse 23, it says, They all got into a boat and began to cross over to the other side of the lake. And Jesus, exhausted, fell asleep. And it says, Suddenly a violent storm developed with waves so high the boat was about to be swamped. And it said, yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. I love that right there. Basically in the middle of a violent storm, and I can, I can relate to this because of that storm I went through in Oklahoma. I can relate what it's like to be on a boat in the middle of a storm when things are just terrifying like that. In the middle of a storm like that that was so bad that the disciples think they're getting ready to die, which we're going to see here in just a second. In a storm that was that bad, it says Jesus was sleeping soundly. Um, other translations say that he was sleeping like a baby. He had that kind of peace in the middle of a violent storm that was happening. 
And in verse 25, it says, the disciples woke him up saying, save us, Lord, or we're going to die. You know, after, like I said, after that experience on the lake in Oklahoma, I can experience, I can relate to knowing what it feels like. I'm going to die out here in the middle of this lake, and they're going to find me floating the next day. I had those thoughts. So I can relate to what these disciples are saying here. But in verse 26, it says, but Jesus reprimanded them. He said, why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? And then he stood up and rebuked the storm and said, be still, and instantly became perfectly calm. The disciples were astonished by this miracle and said to one another, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey his word. So Jesus, basically what what just happened here, Jesus had been ministering in one town, and basically he felt like he was supposed to go to a different town. That's the whole reason they were on the lake. So he was following God when he got in the boat with the disciples, and when he went to cross to the other side of the lake, he was following God when he did that. So this storm didn't come up because of some mistake that he made. This storm didn't happen because of, of something he did wrong. This storm just happened while he was on his way to do what God told him to do there. He was following God 100%. Jesus never made a mistake in his life. I think we can all agree with that. If, not, if you don't agree with that, go read the scripture some more. It talks about that a lot. But he, basically, he was in the middle of this storm happening. He was able to sleep peacefully. How, how was he able to do that? Like, how was he able to sleep peacefully in the middle of a storm? How, how was he able to have total peace when everybody else with him thought they were getting ready to die. You know, how, how, how was he able to do that? And I was kind of praying about that this week some, and, and something that God put on my heart was that he knew who he was. That was the reason that he had peace in the middle of the storm. Jesus had an understanding of who he was, and he had an understanding that God's plan for his life did not include him down in the lake that day. He knew that. He had an understanding of that. Uh, Jesus also understood the authority that he had. You know, he knew that because of who he was and the authority that God had given him, he knew that he had authority over that storm to where at any moment that he wanted to, he could speak to it and had to stop. He could speak to it and had to calm down. That's how he was able to have complete peace in the middle of this storm is because he knew who he was and he knew the authority that he carried with him. And when we know who we are and we, when we know the authority that we carry with us, we can do the same thing. We can do the same thing with an actual storm like so many of you guys were doing Florence when that thing just dissolved off the coast there. A lot of you guys were doing that. But we can do that with the other storms that come up in life too. We can do that with the situations that come up that feel like they're storms. We can, have the, we can use the same authority and rely on who we are and who, how God sees us uh, to, to basically handle it the same way he did. When troubles and sorrows come, any attack of the devil that tries to rob us of our peace and our joy, it's time to say, wait a second, let me, let me remind you who I am and let me remind you what I have because of what God's given me and what he's provided for me. You know, when you know who you are, uh, man, you can approach life with a whole different perspective. Like I said, when you know you have victory, you can approach life with a different perspective, but when you know who you are, it's the same kind of thing. You know, about a, about a month ago, um, you know, on Wednesday nights we do our life groups, and, and one of my favorite times getting ready for life groups is about an hour before anyone gets there. Um, because that's, when, that's usually when Sierra shows up bringing uh, Leland and, and Zion and Balin. And that's one of my favorite times because that's playtime for me too. When they're running around playing, you know, kicking balls around and shooting basketball, that's my time to do that too. And that's just, I don't know, that's fun for me to play around with them. And about a month ago, we were, we were there Wednesday night before service and, and they were there and I was talking to them and, and Leland, you know, little sweet, innocent Leland, little Leland, you know, blonde haired little Leland, he walks up to me and he says, do you want to fight? You know, little Leland walked up like squared off against me and said, do you want to fight? And I just looked at him and I said, you don't want that. That was my response. I, I, you know, I didn't say anything. I didn't, I didn't even think about it. That's just what came to my mind is you don't want that. Because, you know, if we're playing, sure, we can play and have a good time. Um, but if we're talking about an actual fight here, I can literally pick you up and throw you anywhere I want you. You know, that's, that's what's going to happen if this is an actual fight here. 
And I was thinking about that, and that's the same kind of mindset we need to have when the enemy tries to attack us. You know, any type, of, any type of attack from the enemy, any, you know, whatever that might be, when a storm starts to blow up in your life, we need to have the mindset when it squares off against you, you can say, hey, wait a second, you don't want that. Let me remind you who I am. Let me remind you who my dad is. Let me remind you about the authority that I have. You don't want to attack me that way because of who I am. So we need to have that same attitude of, uh, of, of, what, of what I had facing against Leland, little Leland, little sweet Leland wanting to fight me. So, um, but basically, originally what I planned on, on, on talking about for the rest of my time here was going into different kind of storms that come up in our lives. And there are lots of storms that we all go through. You know, there's storms like, storms like loneliness or storms like not feeling good enough or storms like loss or maybe storms in your family or storms in your finance. And there's all kinds of different directions I was, I was praying about going. And as I was doing that on Thursday, I was, I was in my office just kind of praying about this. And God told me to focus on just one storm. So instead of going all these different directions, we're going to focus on one storm with the rest of our time here. And we're going to talk about the storm of sickness because I'm tired of sickness. I'm tired, I'm tired of so many people experiencing that, having to deal with that. So I want to talk about the storm of sickness. And, and I, I just, you know, when you're, when you're fighting sickness personally or when someone you love is fighting sickness, you know, it can feel like a storm happening. It can feel overwhelming when that's going on right now. But I want you to know we have, we have victory over the storm. You know, we're fighting from a position of victory here. Um, so this morning, I want to stir you up to when a storm of sickness starts to come into your life or a storm of sickness starts to come into the life of someone that you love and care about, to approach it with the same attitude that I had facing Leland, you're not going to do that here. You know, you're not going to have that here. Basically, and we're gonna, I'm, gonna talk, I'm just going to break this down for you. It's going to be good. You're going to love it. It's going to be exciting. You're going to leave here in a good mood when you talk to pastor next week. You're like, man, that was such a good word last week. So, so anyways, so the, fir- the first thing I want you to know about, about, he- about, uh, about what God wants for us is I want you to know that God wants you to have health. You know, it, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of denominations out there, a lot of people out there that don't realize that that's something that God deeply wants for us. Like, that's, that's, that's part of his desire. That's what he wants. And uh, he, I want to give you some evidence to back that up. I want to show you that that's what he wants you to have. So a couple weeks ago, uh, me, and, me and Gary Slimp had to go testify in a trial here in town. And uh, basically, if you've never been a part of what that looks like, uh, when you show up at the courtroom there, they lock you in a little tiny room uh, for hours and hours and hours. It's a, little white, it's a little white room with bare walls, and it's just, it is the most horrible place to have to wait because you can't have your cell phone. There's no books, no magazines. It's literally just you staring at a blank wall. And basically the reason we had to wait so long is because they had called us to testify, but before we got to our part, they had to go through a whole bunch of other testimony and a whole bunch of other um, you know, evidence and stuff like that. But basically what was happening there and what happened when we finally came out and testified is the lawyers on each side were trying to, to present evidence that proved whatever their case was. And I don't even know what it was. I knew what my part was to come and testify, but I don't know what they were trying to prove. But anyways, that's what, they're, that's what the lawyers were trying to do is present evidence to say, okay, this is what happened here, or this person is trying to say this is what happened. So they were trying to prove their point by presenting evidence and having testimony. So what I want to do with you guys just for a little bit this morning is give you guys some evidence that basically proves that God wants us to have health. So does that sound good? All right. So the first thing is in 3 John 1 and verse 2. And it starts off by saying, beloved. So when somebody is your beloved, I know this is, this, is, this is deep here, but when somebody is your beloved, that means you love them. You know, it's pretty simple right there. So whatever comes next is specifically talking to people that God loves. So who do you think God loves? There you go. He loves all of us. So that, that basically means that whatever this scripture is, is something that God's addressing to all of us because he loves all of us. So he goes on to say, he said, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. 
So basically what God's saying is, hey, more than anything else, I want you to be in health. That's part of what God wants for you. He doesn't want us sick. Um, he wants us to live in perfect health every single day of our lives until we get to the point where we're saying, hey, I've lived a good life here. I'm ready to go to heaven. And then we just transition. That's God's perfect plan. That's his will. That's what he wants for us. That's the way he's designed things for us. And that's, and do you need more convincing? Let's get some more convincing. Okay. Jesus, Jesus made the statement. He said that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So basically what that means is Jesus was saying, if you look at my life and look at how I lived and look at how I treated people, that's, the, that's basically God's will right there. That's what God would have done. That's what God wants. So exhibit B, you know, exhibit A was over here, 3 John verse 2. Exhibit B over here is basically going to be exactly looking at the life of Jesus and seeing how he handled situations when he encountered sickness because that's going to show the will of God when we look at his life. So in, a, in Matthew 8 and verse 16, it says, That evening... The people brought to him many who were demonized. And it said, by Jesus only speaking a word of healing over them, they were totally set free from their torment. And it said, everyone who was sick received their healing. I love right, right there. It says, everyone who is sick. It didn't say a few people. It didn't say people with colds. It said, literally, every sick person they brought to Jesus, every one of them got healed. You know, that tells me that's God's, that tells me that's God's will for us to be healed. If literally every person that came to him, if they received their healing, that tells me that's what God wants right there. And notice, and notice, too, it said that Jesus spoke the word to him. Just like he spoke to that storm, and the storm stopped, when he spoke to the sickness, the sickness left. You know, that same authority. Remember, we have that, too. In Luke 4 and verse 40, it said, At sunset, the people brought all those who were sick to Jesus to be healed. And Jesus laid his hands on them one by one, and they were all healed of different ailments and sicknesses. So that said they were all healed, every one of them. Once again, we, this, is, this is piece of evidence number two under exhibit B here is that literally every person they brought to him were healed, all of them, every one of them. Are you getting the point here? And this time, notice this time he laid hands on them. This is what happened this time. Um, and let's look at one more. We're just going to really back this up here. In uh, Luke 6 and verse 19, it says the entire, crowd gathered, the entire crowd eagerly tried to come near Jesus so they could touch him and be healed. Because a tangible, supernatural power emanated from him, healing all who came close to him. So literally every single person that came close to Jesus was healed. So whether he spoke, be healed, whether he laid hands on them, or whether people just got close to him, they all got healed, everyone who came around him. And if that happened with him, and he's the, he's the representative of God to us, that tells me that, uh, that tells me that that's his will for us too. That's telling me that's God's will for us, that he wants us to be healed in every circumstance. Uh, he calls him, and, and to, if you really think about it, that makes sense that God would want that. Because, you know, he calls us, he calls himself our heavenly father. Like he calls himself our heavenly father. And on top of that, on top of that, it says that God is love. If you read in 1 John, it says God is love. That means it's part of who he is. It's not just something he chooses to do. You know, earlier we were singing about Jesus' love. Well, God is love too, and that's part of who he is. So basically, if he's, if he's a loving father, if that's how he sees us, if he, if, if he sees us as his kids, and he takes the position of a loving father when he looks at us, you know, any loving parent out there, you don't want your kids to be sick. You know, any parent in here, if you've ever had your kid throw up on you in the middle of the night, I think you can agree that you don't want your kids to be sick ever. And as a loving father, God doesn't want that for, for us either. He sees us as his kids, and he wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be whole all the time because he's a loving father. That's how he sees us. And we need to recognize any time that sickness tries to attach itself to us, that's not what God wants for us. That's not part of his plan. That's not part of, he's not trying to teach us something with this. He doesn't want us to have that. That's part of who he is. So, in fact, he wants it so badly that he paid for us to have health. That's how badly God wants us to have it, is he went ahead and paid for us to have it. In uh, 
Isaiah in Isaiah 53 in verse 5. It says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. Talking about Jesus here. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. So basically when they crucified Jesus, his body was literally ripped apart so that we could be healed. That's part of the punishment that he took. It didn't take that. It wasn't by accident that he took that. He took that on purpose for us because there was a price that had to be paid for us to have freedom from sin, but there was also a price that had to be paid for us to have healing guaranteed to us, and that was part of the price that had to be paid, and he loved us enough that he was willing to do that. He loved us enough that he was willing to take that on his body and pay that price for us so we didn't have to. He was willing to literally give whatever it took to cover it, and the cost it took to cover it was his own body. And he said, I'll tell you what, it's worth it to me. If they get to have health, if they get to have healing, those people that I love so much, if they get to have that, it's worth it to me to sacrifice myself to do that. You know, we're seeing the heart of God in this. We're seeing how much he loves us through this. And he didn't just pay for it. You know, it'd be awesome if he paid for it. And he did pay for it, and that's awesome right there. But he took it a step further. He paid for it, and he already gave it to us too. How cool is that? In uh, 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, it says, uh, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. We've already talked about that. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. You notice that that's past tense right there. You were healed. That means it's already happened. That means it's already happened in the past. That means that not only did he pay for us to have health and healing, but he actually already gave it to us too. He already gave it to us. He already handed it over and said, okay, this is for you. I want you to have this. This is yours right now. That, to me, that's just awesome that he's already done that for us. Um, and it means that, it means that uh, hold on, I'm jumping ahead. Of my, I'm, I'm trying to get so excited here. I'm getting ahead of my scriptures here. But uh, not only has the price has been paid, but he's already been given it for us too. And in 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, let me give you one more scripture here and we'll talk about all this for a second. It said, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And notice that, everything we need for living a godly life. That, that doesn't just include healing, that includes everything we need for a godly life. I wish I could talk about that more because that's one of my favorite scriptures too. But, but it, keep in mind that includes healing. He said, we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So basically it says he's given us everything that we need to live a godly life. You know, what do you think it means to live a godly life? Think about that for a second, what it means to actually live a godly life. You know, basically living a godly life means that we're living a life that represents Jesus. We're living a life that basically represents God. Basically that means that people can take a look at our lives and see how we're living and the quality of our life and say, hey, I can see God in that right there. That's part of what it means to live a godly life. Um, the kind of life that reflects his love and his goodness. You know, that's what it means to live a godly life. Basically where people can take a look at us and see how we live and how we treat people and see the experiences that we have. And we can say, hey, man, I can just see God in you and all over you. I can see the evidence of God in your life there. That's part of what it means to live a godly life. Um, do you think it reflects well on God when people look at his kids and they're sick? When, they, when, when people look at their kids and they're not, they're, not, they're not doing well, they're not making it? It doesn't. That doesn't reflect well on God. You know, God, if we're in that situation, God loves us just as much as someone who's not sick. But the bottom line is that his will for us, his heart for us, his desire is for us to move past that. His desire is, is for us to be healthy, for us to be whole, for us to live free from sickness. That's what he wants more for us than anything else uh, because he's a loving father. That's what he wants for us, so much that he gave it to us. So God, so God wants me to have health. God wants me to have health. He wants, he, he wants it so badly that he paid the price for me to have it. How do I actually receive it? How do I actually get a hold of that? I'm going to need someone to help me out with this. Uh, Devin, come on up here. I'm going to embarrass Devin. Y'all give it up for Devin. And don't walk real slow. 
This will be good, Devin. I promise. You're going to like this. You don't look excited. Step on up here. It's okay. Okay, what I have in my hand right here, this is actually a $25 gift card. So, pretty awesome. Yeah, you can buy a lot of stuff with $25, can't you? What would you buy with $25? Okay. So, basically, this is a $25 gift card. And basically, I bought this for you. This is your gift card. I bought this for you. You got it? Okay. If I bought this for you and I say this is your gift card, well, what do you have to do to get it? What do you have to do to get it? This is yours. There you go. That's your gift. Now, let me ask you one more question. Are you going to take that gift card? Are you going to frame it and hang it up on your wall? Are you going to hide it under your bed? Are you going to carry it in your pocket every day from now forever and just remember about that time that Pastor Jeff was so awesome to you? You're going to put it in your wallet? Are you going to spend it eventually? Awesome. That's, that's my whole point. You can just sit down. Thank you. Thank you. Give it up for Devin. So basically, that's, that's the next step. Is basically, it's been provided for us. It's been given, for, given to us, but we have to receive it. We actually have to grab a hold of it and take it. And then once we do grab a hold of it, we can't just put it on the shelf and say, well, that's so nice that God did that for me. We actually have to use it. We actually have to act on it. Because I think those are different places a lot of people get stuck. Some people get stuck because they don't know God wants them healed. You know, that, that's the first barrier a lot of people have to get past. And then after that, you have the barrier of, okay, you know, God wants me to be healed, but how do I actually get it? And now that we know that he's actually given it to us already, we don't have to get it because he's already given it to us and said, here, it's yours. Now, basically, our step that we have to take is just say, okay, this is mine. I'm going to receive this. I'm going to, by faith, I'm going to reach out and receive this and say, okay, this is mine because God's already given it to me. And then as we receive that, the next step beyond that is we have to act on it. You know, we can't just take that gift card and hang it on the wall and just look at it. We actually have to take it and spend it. Basically, we have to act on the fact that, hey, God's healed me, so I'm going to take a step in faith here. I'm going to do what I didn't think I could do. I'm going to do what I didn't think I don't feel like doing right now, but in a step of faith, I'm going to step out and do it. And as I do that, I'm going to see the healing manifest in my body. And that's exactly what, that's exactly what we're talking about here. So, so you know, when, when, Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, let me give you the point here. We have to receive it. I'm sorry, I forgot the point. There we go. They already got it up there. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again on that third day, you know, he provided salvation to us. I think most of us can agree that. And basically, healing works the same way as salvation does. He provided salvation to us. It's been available for every person that's been on the earth since the, you know, the past 2,000 years. It's been there for all of us. He provided it for us, but it's up to us to actually receive that salvation. And if you think about it, there's been a lot of people throughout the past 2,000 years who have not received it, even though it was available for them. I believe that most of us in here, we have received that. And healing works the same way. It's been, he made it available to us the same way he made salvation available. We have to, we just have to receive it. And I want to, I want to look at an example of somebody who basically put all these steps into practice. I want to look at an example of somebody who did exactly what we're talking about here. And because she put these steps into practice, she actually got to receive her total healing. And uh, most of you guys know where I'm going with this, but um, at one point, Jesus is ministering to a, a large crowd of people like he was. seems like everywhere he went, people just, just swamped him everywhere he went. And, uh, and let's pick up there in Mark chapter 5, in uh, verse 25. It says, Now in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. So just for a moment, I just want you to put yourself in this lady's shoes. She had been bleeding continuously for 12 years. So just imagine how weak she must have felt. Imagine how tired she must have felt. Uh, imagine how many times she probably felt like giving up, you know, just by, just by experiencing that, that weakness for that many years. You know, when I, I, used to, I used to give blood all the time, and I know even though it's just a, just a um, I think it's a mental thing more than anything, but I'd give blood and see that bag of blood filling up, and I'd feel weak after that. 
And this, this lady, she'd been bleeding like that continuously for 12 years straight. So you know that she just had to be physically exhausted all the time. But in verse 26, it says, She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors. And it said, Yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting better but worse. So just think about how exhausting it can be now to have to go to a bunch of doctors all the time. You know, that can, that can be pretty exhausting to have to keep doing that. And then think about where medical science was probably at 2,000 years ago. You know, just, to, just imagine the kind of stuff they must have subjected her to. I don't even want to think about what they tried to do to her to try to get her to stop bleeding 2,000 years ago. It was probably very, very awful, whatever it was. And it says she had been to all of them. She had been to all the doctors to the point where she had no money left over. Uh, she had, and, and despite all that, despite going through all that, she didn't get any better. In fact, it actually said she started getting worse. And you know, you know it's really discouraging when you're going to the, 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 the professionals, the people who are the best in their field. It's really discouraging when you're going to see those kind of people like that. And instead of getting better, you're just getting worse in the whole process. So you know, you know she had to be discouraged. You know she had to be thinking, well, this is just how it's always going to be. You know these, these, these thoughts had to be going through her mind. She had lots of opportunities to give up. Um, but that's about to change as we know where this story is going. In uh, verse 27, it says, when she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. And I was thinking about that this week, and I've never looked at this story from this perspective before, but she had to know that Jesus loved her to do that. Like, she had to know that Jesus loved her to push through this crowd and to actually reach up and grab his shawl. She had to know that he had her best interest in mind. And the reason I know that is because if you look at the history of that time period and basically how people would have approached somebody who was dealing with the sickness that she was dealing with, first of all, she wasn't allowed to be around big crowds. Like if, if she was walking down Main Street and there was a crowd of people coming this way, she had to get all the way over here and start screaming that she was unclean as she was walking past them. She had to announce to people, I'm unclean, you can't come near me. So that's basically, that's part of what she had to do. And in and, 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 and approaching a, rigi- a religious leader like this, first of all, if she had pushed through a crowd like she did, that was grounds for her to get killed. That was grounds for them to take her out inside town and stone her to death. And I thought about this, and if she had pushed through any other crowd and grabbed a hold of any other religious leader in that city, when they looked at her and realized who she was, that's exactly what would have happened. So she had to know that Jesus loved her for her to do that because literally any other religious leader in that city would have killed her for doing that. And that she, she, there was something different about Jesus. She saw something in Jesus where she recognized that's not what's going to happen here. I'm going to receive my healing here when I come to him. So to me, that, that's, that's the first step in knowing about healing is you need to know that God loves you. We kind of talked about that already, but you need to know that he loves you. You have to know that. And this lady knew that about Jesus. Um, in verse 28, it says, For she kept saying to herself, If only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. So she was speaking the word to her body. I love that right there. She, she knew that it was God's will for her to be healed. She knew that if she could get just come in contact with Jesus, she knew that she was going to receive her healing. What I love here is, is we, have her, we have her thoughts recorded here. And she wasn't complaining about how bad she felt. Uh, she wasn't complaining about everything she had been through. She wasn't complaining about how weak she was. She wasn't complaining about anything. Her confession was, the moment I come in contact with him, I'm receiving my healing. You know, to me, that's just awesome. She, she had that mindset. She, she knew that God wanted her healed. She knew that. She knew that. She knew that all she had to do was have this encounter with God, and everything was going to change. That was her confession. That was her belief. She had faith in that. She, did, she had decided that it didn't matter how many doctors had told her this is how it was always going to be. The moment I come in contact with Jesus, he's going to do what none of the doctors could do. He knew, she knew that. that. To me, that's just awesome that she knew that. She spoke to her mountain and told her, told her what was getting ready to happen here. She said, body, you're getting ready to be healed right here. That's, that's exactly what she was doing. Uh, and we need to do the same. 
You know, if there's things that we're struggling with, if there's people that we love that are struggling, we need to find some scriptures that deal with that. We need to find some scriptures that deal with what we're going through and just decide, hey, your body, I know this is how you're feeling right now, but this is what the word God says about you, so this is what's fixing to happen. God's already given it to me. He's already provided it for me, and I'm receiving this right now. I'm not going to deal with this another day. I'm receiving my healing right now. That's the, that's the mindset. We have to have that same confidence that she had. And I love that she acted in faith. You know, she didn't just sit around and say, well, that'd be so nice if I got to meet Jesus one day. That'd be awesome if I could just come and have this encounter with Jesus. That'd be so cool if I did that. No, she actually put action to her faith. You know, she actually pushed through the crowd and had to push through these people to the point where she was able to grab a hold of him and receive her healing right now. We need to, we need to, to take it a step past believing that God wants us to have healing and receive it and act on it. Just like Devin has to go act on that card and spend that thing, we have to act on what's been given to us there. And because she did that, we see the result in verse 29. It said, as soon as her hand touched him, it says her bleeding immediately stopped. It says she knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. To me, that's just awesome. She had been to doctors for 12 years and had all, the, all these awful things done to her, and yet that one moment of, of approaching Jesus in faith and grabbing a hold of her healing right there, it was totally gone. That lady never bled again. How awesome is that? And jump down to where Jesus starts talking to her in verse 34. It says, then Jesus said to her, daughter, because you dare to believe, your faith has healed you. He said, go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. So this lady had faith in a lot of things. She had faith that Jesus loved her. You know, we all need to have faith in that. Uh, she had faith that he had healing available for her. You know, we need, to, we need to know that too. That's why we're talking about this. She spoke it out over herself. She spoke to her body and said, this is what's going to happen here. And then she put action to her faith. And because she followed all those steps, she received her healing. You know, it was as simple as that for her, and we can do the same thing and expect the same thing in our lives, and we need to be expecting that. You know, I think too many times when sickness tries to attach it to ourselves, if it's something that's not too bad, we just say, well, I can deal with that. And it's time that we stop living at that level and stop just dealing with things for too long and say, wait a second, if this is what God first me, wants for me to have, if God literally gave this to me, I'm not going to suffer through this anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply the word of God to my situation. I'm going to believe that more than how I feel. I'm going to believe that more than the doctor's report. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my healing because God's given it to me. You know, it's time that we start approaching things with that attitude. When those things try to attach themselves to us, just like when Leland squared off against me there, we need to have that same mindset was you don't want to do that. Because I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm victorious in this situation. I'm fighting from a, from a place of victory right now already. And you're, trying, you're having to come up the mountain to try to come at me. And you can't get to me. Because I know who I am and I know what God's given me already. So we need to start approaching things with that mindset there. So, so when we know that, when we know that God's healed us, when we know that he's provided it for us and paid it, paid for it, and when we know that all we have to do is receive it and then act on it, what's next? What do we do next? Well, that's when we got to distribute it. we got to start passing it out to the people around us. You know, God, God didn't give us uh, healing just to keep to ourselves. And I, I love that about him. It's everything he gives, man, he just wants us to give it to everybody. There's, there's a world full of people around us um, that don't know what we know. Uh, there's a world full, uh, full of people around us who need health and healing. There's a wor world full of people around us who are desperate to hear there's another option out there because they've been given no hope. You know, when they've talked to their doctors, when they've talked to their family, they've been given no hope whatsoever. And yet because of who we serve, because of the God that we have, because of what he's given us, we have hope. We have an answer that, that other people don't have. And it's up to us to be the ones who are willing to take what God's given us and start distributing it to the people around us. You know, Jesus isn't here walking the earth right now. You know, last time I was in Walmart, I didn't see, see him cruising through the greeting cards or anything. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen that personally, but I do see a lot of you guys around here. 
And you guys, everywhere you go, you're representing Jesus and, can, and carrying that same anointing, carrying that same, same revelation of, of, of healing that he had. We have, that same, we have the same revelation, and we need to carry that around with us everywhere we go. In fact, I want to remind you, just, just with, for a little bit longer here, I want to remind you of some of what Jesus told us to do and some of what he empowered us to do. Because we need to know that. You know, we need to remind ourselves that, that we have a purpose here. I know all of us have unique purposes and things he's called us to do, but there's also things he's called all of us to do. And we need to continuously remind ourselves of those things. And one of my favorite scriptures is in Mark 16 and verse 17. This is Jesus talking to the disciples shortly before he goes to heaven. But because he's talking to them, it also applies to us too. So in verse 17, it says, These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. It said, they will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. It says, they'll be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. And this is, this is what I was wanting to get to here. It says, they'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. I love that. Jesus spoke with authority there. He didn't just say, hey, lay hands on them and see what happens here. He says, no, if you lay hands on them with the understanding of, hey, this is something God's anointed me to do. This is something God's provided. I'm going to lay hands on you in faith right now. And as we do that, the result he's saying is that they will be healed. That, that's, there's no other option out there. That is the option he's given us right there. And we need to, we need to, when you believe that that's what he wants, when you believe that he's, he's provided healing for us, when you don't doubt in your heart, that's going to be the result every time. That's, that's what Jesus himself is saying there. Uh, Jesus wouldn't have told us to do it if he didn't think we could do it. And Jesus wouldn't have told us to do it if he wasn't expecting us to do it. That's the other side of it, too. This isn't just something we get to choose and say, well, I, you know, I'll kind of leave it up to Pastor Brett and Miss Shirley and, and maybe Tim and a few people like that, but I don't really think I want to do that myself. I mean, that's just kind of stepping out there a little bit there. Well, Jesus is saying, hey, if you're a believer, this is something I expect you to do. There's too many people around us that are needing this. There's too many people around us that are feeling hopeless. There's too many people around us that don't have anywhere else to go. And because Jesus has sent us as, as, as his children, but also as, his represent, as, as the children of God, but also as his representatives, we need to know that this is something he's called us to do. And actually, let me, this, let me give you, a, I, get, I say I have favorite scriptures all the time. They're all my favorite scriptures, depending on the moment. Um, but I want to show you just how high his expectations really are for us. Because Jesus has really high expectations for us. In John 14 and verse 12, he said, I tell you this timeless truth, that the person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. And he said, even greater miracles than these because I go be with my Father. So look back at the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus that we have recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, there were miracles that just happened left and right. There were amazing things that happened left and right. And we read multiple examples today of times where he walked into a town and literally every sick person got healed. You know, that's amazing right there. And then there's another place in the Bible where John's actually talking about all the miracles that Jesus did. And he said if we had recorded all of them, he said there wouldn't be enough room in the entire world to store the books. He said, that's how many miracles actually happened. You know, we have a little small picture of what he did when we what he did in the scripture here. But John's saying, hey, there's a whole lot more that happened too. You guys don't even know a piece of everything he did in that three years of ministry on the earth here. And Jesus, looking back at everything that had happened, uh, looking back at all the all the miracles that had happened, all the people that were healed, all the all the lame people that stood up and walked, all the blind eyes that were healed, all the people that were set free from leprosy and all kinds of diseases. Jesus, looking back at all those things that had happened, he looked at all that and looked at you and said, "Hey, you're going to do what I did, and even greater than that." To me, that's just awesome. And once again, this isn't this isn't just a uh, maybe I'll do that, maybe I won't. This is his expectation. He's saying, "Hey, you will do greater th greater things than me if you'll approach them as a believer in faith." 
he said that, let me read this again at the beginning. He said, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do and even greater miracles than these. That's amazing right there that God, if you look at, if you look at everything Jesus did, he said, hey, you, you're going to do what I did and even greater than that. So I just want to encourage you guys to start expanding your expectations. To start, you know, Oklahoma has that vision class about dreaming bigger and that sort of thing. But start dreaming bigger about how God can use you. You know, I think a lot of times we look at ourselves and we, we see our flaws and we see, well, I can do this, but I don't really see myself doing that. You know, just, you know, I just can't imagine God using me that way. Well, God wants to use you this way. God wants to use you to do this. If you're a living, breathing human, human being, and from what I can tell, everybody in here is. A few of you may have to check a pulse because I saw your eyes dimming a little bit during service there. Um, but but if, if you're a living, breathing human being, this is what God wants us to do. He wants you to be have healing and health yourself, but he also wants you to be somebody who can distribute it to people around you. Because like I said, so many people around us need this. So many people around us are hungry for this. And if you want to see a person's life totally change, you know, minister healing to them. You know, do that. You'll, you'll find out that you know everything in their life, all the reasons they were doubting God, all the reasons they weren't sure about God, when they see something miraculous happen like that, things start to change because that's something real to them. When they, when they see healing manifest in their body, when the doctor said, there's literally nothing we can do here, that speaks to them. And that speaks to them and their family and their friends and everybody they know. And then they put it on social media and, and then half the people say, well, that was just faking anyways. And, but anyways, you don't pay attention to that. You just keep on doing it anyways. You just throw it out there and talk about what God's doing. But uh, I just encourage you, don't, don't set your expectations too low. I think too many Christians have set their expectations too low. You know, I think I think a lot of Christians are okay um, with just making it to heaven one day. And I just want you to know that God has so much more for you than that. God, God wants you to live a supernatural life here. God wants you to live your life in such a way where you're fighting from a position of victory every single day. And you're just going throughout the world representing Jesus and changing lives and making a difference. And, and just showing people the goodness of God. Yeah, That's what I love about the life of Jesus. is If you look at a lot of the miracles that happened in his life, they happened while he was going somewhere. You know, it wasn't like he was just standing there and standing in the church preaching. He was walking to the temple or he was walking from one town to another and he just came across somebody. And in that moment, they were, in that moment, he, he was moved with compassion and saw him and, re, and helped him receive their healing. That's how Jesus, that's how Jesus was. And we, if we're following his example, which is what I'm encouraging you to do this morning, we should expect the same. Now, not just expect these kind of things to happen here, not just expect people to get healed here in church, but expect people to get healed in your family, expect people to get healed in your workplace, expect people to get healed when you're walking through Walmart. Just start having this expectation that, hey, God wants me to use me to do this. I know he wants me to use, I know he wants to use me to do this, so I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start being, being somebody who can distribute healing to the people around me because I know it's for me, I know it's for us, and that's what's going to happen. So, so just to start pulling things together here, uh, if you're in the middle of a storm of sickness right now, uh, I want you to know that God wants you healed. He wants you healed. He doesn't want you to. He doesn't even want you to leave here sick. He wants you healed. He paid for it. Uh, he gave it to you, and I just encourage you to receive it right now. Just receive it. So, and actually, let me let me let me just pray for you guys right now. If, if you're dealing with sickness in your body, we're, well, I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. God put me, God put this on my heart this morning. I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. And basically, we're just going to say exactly what the scripture says. We're going to say, God, thank you that you've healed me. Thank you that you provided it for me. Thank you that you want me healed. Right now, I receive it, and I'm going to act on it today. And we're just, just as simple as that right now. I'm expecting people to get healed this morning because God's already given it to you. Just receive it. So let's, let's uh, if you've got sickness in your body, let's pray that right now. I'm going to lead you guys. Y'all just repeat after me and pray this prayer and have an expectation that you're going to leave here today having fully received your healing. So let's do this. Say, Father, I thank you. 
that you want me to be healed. I thank you that you provided it for me. I thank you that Jesus paid the price for it. So right now, I receive it in my body. Sickness, you have to go. Cancer, you have to go. COPD, you have to go. Any pain or discomfort, you have to go. Because I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all there is to it. You know, a lot of times we, we tend to expect some big supernatural thing, and it's awesome that God moves that way, but the Word works too, man. If we just apply the Word to our lives, we can expect these results. And let me just say this too. If you're feeling great this morning, I'm feeling great this morning. I feel good this morning. So if you're, if you're in that kind of position too, let me tell you, it's way easier to prepare for a storm when you're not in a storm. Um, so if you know, if we look at the floor and stuff, you saw these people having to get have like canoes and John boats going to get them. That's because they didn't prepare for the storm before the storm happened. So I just encourage you guys, if you're feeling great right now, spend time every day in the Word about healing. Anyways, you know, have some have some scriptures that you can turn to anytime that you need them. And that way, when the storm does come, when when you have something try to happen in your life or sickness tries to happen in your life, you're already ready. You're already in that position to where when Leland comes up to you, you're already saying, "Wait a second, you don't want to do that." Because let me tell you what I got in my quiver right now. Let me tell you, let me tell you the arrows I have in, on my side right now. Let me tell you who's backing me up right now. You're already ready to face that. And the other advantage of living that way too, even if you're feeling great right now, is when you when, when somebody that you work with comes up to you and says, Man, let me tell you what the doctor told me last night. You can say, Well, let me tell you what God says about you. You know, you're already ready to go. You don't have to say, Okay, let me go home and fast and pray for a week and let me pull out and Google some scriptures. You know, we don't have to, you know, it's awesome if that's what you have to do, but it'd be a whole lot better if you can say, Hey, wait, let, let me just tell you what God says about you. Let me go and tell you, let me give you a report that we can stand on and we can believe in and what's actually going to happen in your life right there. So go and get to the place where this is something that's so locked into us that nobody can pull us out of that. That's where, that's where we need to be. Be constantly ready to distribute what God's given us to anybody we come across. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Be, 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 the, be the, the conduit that God can use to get a miracle to somebody. Be the conduit that God can use to connect somebody with their healing because he wants it, we want it, so they want it. The people who, who are sick and dealing with this stuff, they want it too. So be someone that God can use to connect them with that. And I promise you, if you'll do that, we're going to have to have even more testimony services around here of how God's going to use you when you're out and about there. So, so anyways, that's what God put on my heart this morning. So as much as, much as God wants you healed, uh, something he wants even more than that is to have a relationship with you. You know, that's, that's, even, that's even more important to him is that you have a relationship with him. So I'm going to ask everyone in here just to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment here. I just always, anytime I do a service, I like to check up and see how everyone's doing. Um, I want you to know that God loves you so incredibly much that he sent Jesus to die, first of all, to pay the price for your healing, but also to pay the price for you to have a relationship with him. He paid the price for your sin. Um, he took all your sin. He took every mistake, every regret, everything that fills you with shame and guilt. He took every bit of that, and he carried it so you don't have to. Man, he's such an awesome God. He paved the way for you to have a relationship with him, and he paved the way for you to have an eternity in heaven. That's part of what God did for you. And all you have to do is what Romans 10, 9 says. He says, if you declare that Jesus is the Lord of your life and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. That's all there is to it. So if you can say, say right now, well, I'm, I'm honestly not really sure if I'm saved. I'm not really sure if I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not really sure if I'm going to heaven one day. I want you to raise your hand right now, and I'm going to pray with you. And you can leave here knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus. So if that's you, if you can say, I need a relationship with Jesus, I don't have that right now. 
I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. And you can leave here knowing that's something that you have. I'll give you all just a moment here. Give you all a chance to raise your hands. This is important to God. This is important to me too. I know to come out and brave, brave the rain. I know that this is the people who love God and already committed to God. I just want to give you all another chance here. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just a moment longer. You know, maybe, maybe you're someone who, you know, I, I, I do have a relationship with Jesus. That is, that is something I've started, but I, I've walked away from it. You know, I've, I've made some decisions I knew I shouldn't make. I've done some things I shouldn't do, or maybe I just flat out haven't made him a priority. You know, there was a time where he was, and I've just let other things become between me and him, and he's just not the priority I know he needs to be. And I'm ready to get that right. I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to get things back on track again. 1 John 1, 9 is a scripture that God wrote to Christians. And basically what it says, it says, hey, if you messed up, if you confess that you sinned, he said, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? It says if we've walked away from him, if we've sinned, if we've done things we weren't supposed to do, he says, hey, if you just come to me, if you just confess that to me, he said, I'm going to wipe your slate clean, and I'm just going to erase everything that you did there. So if you can say, that's me, I know I'm a believer, I know I have a relationship with God, but I know I've also walked away from God. But I'm ready to come back today. I'm ready to have that relationship be the best it can be. If you'll raise your hand, I want to pray with you about that. I already see some hands popping up. Is there anybody else? This is so important, too. God gets excited about this. The Bible actually says that when, when, a, when somebody comes to God, it actually says they throw a party in heaven. So the moment you raised your hand just then, there was celebrating that happened in heaven. Both the angels and all your loved ones that have gone to heaven before you, they up there, they were up there and they just started celebrating the moment you raised their hand there. So is there, is there anybody else? I want to give you all just a moment here. I don't want to leave anybody out. All right. What we're going to do here is I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. And uh, as we pray this together, I encourage you not to just repeat the words because I'm saying them, but say them from the heart. Say it like you mean it. And say it like you're talking directly to God because that's exactly what's happening here. And as we pray this together, I'm going to ask that we all pray this and just, out of, just out of respect to those who are praying this. So let's pray this together right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my healing, but also my sin. And I confess that I have messed up. But I thank you that you're faithful to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.